The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Hi, welcome to the show. Welcome to New Reflections. Thanks for listening in. We're here this week with a very interesting topic. The show this week is called Take It Off, Pounds, that is. We're talking about surgical weight loss, and we're going to have a panel of experts that have done thousands and thousands of procedures to help people lose weight. Let's begin just talking a little bit about being overweight and talking about obesity. It's been said over 60% of the population in the United States is overweight. Further than that, about 30%, actually over 30%, are actually obese. When you look at the overall population, there are some even more frightening numbers. 17% of children, people under the age of 18, are obese, not just overweight. Now, when you're talking about obesity, being obese, there's a, a pretty easy line to cross to get to where someone would consider you overweight. And then obese is a little bit further up. But when we're talking about obesity and these types of procedures, generally we're talking about people that are 100 pounds or more overweight. We'll, be, we'll talk a little bit during the show about the body mass index, the BMI, and what that number means. And that is a good guide to see where you stand on this spectrum of being overweight or obese. But no matter where you stand, weight loss is a huge, huge industry in the United States. $58 billion annually are spent on weight loss. If you're thinking about trying to lose weight and diet and exercise are just not working for you, you may be a good candidate for having some of these procedures. The general recommendations for someone who might think about having some bariatric surgery include people who've tried exercise and diet and they haven't done well with a proper exercise and diet plan. Also, we'll talk about BMI, and generally, you, the BMI number, and this is a body mass index, it's a ratio of your weight to your height and a few other factors that can be factored in, uh, your age, for example. But if, you're over, if your BMI is over 40, you're a good candidate for these type of things. Even over 30 or 35, if you have health problems that can benefit from these procedures, you may still be a good candidate. Some of those health things that are of concern, of course, blood pressure, diabetes, uh, sleep apnea, these are things that all can be improved through bariatric surgery. Now, let's go ahead and get with our first guest. This, uh, this show, we're going to be talking about three different ways to have a surgeon help you lose your weight. And we're talking about the lap band, the gastric sleeve, and the gastric bypass. Now, all of our experts, 
can speak about all of these subjects, but the first person I'm going to introduce is our expert in lap band surgery. I'd like to introduce Dr. Emma Patterson. Dr. Patterson is a board-certified general surgeon and is extremely experienced in gastric, uh, I'm sorry, in bariatric surgery, and particularly lap band procedures. Has done thousands of them. Dr. Patterson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm glad to have you join us. You know, weight loss surgery has become so popular in the United States. So many people are seeking it, but you know, the hard part is deciding who is a good candidate. How does someone know if this is something they really should think about? Well, they should certainly you know they should think about surgery. If, if for, for example, their physician has recommended that they lose a significant amount of weight and that they might be a candidate for surgery. You know, usually they've been trying to lose weight with diets for years and maybe get to a point where they're getting more health problems, the BMI is getting in the range where they might need surgery, and then that's where they should talk to their physician about it or start researching it to see if they're a candidate. Um, and as you said, there are general criteria outlined by the National Institutes of Health that if your body mass index is over 40 and you've already tried diets, you should definitely look into it. And if your body mass index is between 35 and 40 and you have a health problem that's related to obesity like diabetes or high blood pressure, then you should definitely start looking into it. And there's other factors too, but those are the two main factors. Although in addition now, the lap band in particular was FDA approved in about March for even smaller patients that you mentioned with, uh, with just a body mass index over 30 if they have a medical problem related to obesity. So now we're operating actually on smaller people who in some cases, if they have diabetes, might only be 35 pounds overweight, but that 35 pounds makes a huge difference to their diabetes and their health. Yeah, now something important, there's a few things I'd like to point out, there's a few things to make clear to people listening. When we're talking about surgery for weight loss, we are talking about these bariatric procedures. So I'm a plastic surgeon, and people come to me sometimes thinking that, well, gee, I'll just have a lot of liposuction, and that's going to help me lose weight. I want to make clear, liposuction is not a weight loss procedure, no matter how much fat you remove. And I've done what's called large volume liposuction on some patients. While you lose a few pounds, this is not a weight loss procedure. The things we're talking about today are designed to help your body, through normal natural physiologic changes, lose weight. Lose it in a, in a natural process, not to suddenly remove a whole bunch of stuff from your body. And it's interesting, exactly. that, it's interesting that you mentioned going down to a BMI of 30. And, and another thing, before we get further, BMI, the body mass index, you can look it up online. If you Google body mass index, you'll be able to find charts. And based upon your height and your weight and your age, you can index these things in charts you can find online and get a pretty good estimate of what your BMI is. And then I'll tell you where you stand on the spectrum. Now, what's interesting is that it's been liberalized. It used to be between 35 and 40, and 35 only if you had some sort of comorbidity or health problem that made it make sense for you. But because the results are so encouraging, the decrease in blood pressure, the, the uh, relief from diabetes and the lowering of blood sugar, by losing the weight has been so profound for so many people, I think the indication's been liberalized. And now you can do these things, as you said, going down to a BMI even 30 for planned weight loss that's not as significant as it once was for these types of operations. Now, when you have a patient that's looking to have surgery, you've seen them, they're a good candidate, they, they need to lose a, a good amount of weight, you, you think that they're going to do well with a lap band, how does one prepare for a lap band surgery? Well, there's generally quite a process they go through before surgery. You know, we're um, in my practice at Oregon Weight Loss Surgery. We're a center of excellence, and there are certain 
kind of requirements for education and evaluation that you do with a patient before surgery. So the first thing is they do a seminar. Patients can come in person where where I talk to them for about two hours all about the different kinds of surgery and what they have to do to qualify and then what they have to do. They're still going to have to work after surgery. I mean, this is not the easy way out. They're going to have to eat healthy and exercise. So we prepare them for all that and what realistic results are. I mean, realistically, most patients don't get skinny. They don't get down their ideal body weights, but they lose a lot of weight and they're much healthier. They have a better quality of life. And, of course, they do get those positive side effects of, of uh, a better self-image and, and body is, um, and esteem because they're looking better. Um, <clears throat> then they have to be evaluated by a dietitian, a psychologist, um, a physical therapist, or exercise physiologist. So they're getting the whole team approach. They're getting educated about how to eat, what to eat, how to eat food labels, to go for higher protein and um, they're taught how to exercise safely so they're not going to hurt themselves. And then there's a lot of psychological aspects that go with it, too, that they feel really guilty for being overweight when it's not, not actually really all their fault. There's a lot of genetic contributions to the people being uh, having the slow metabolism that you do and being overweight. And there's a lot of psychological changes after the surgery, too. And so patients really need support through all of those things. They may say, for example, assume that every aspect of their life is going to be better, but change, sorry, in some relationships are going to change for the better and some for the worse, actually. When yeah, you know, I've seen that, I get to see that sometimes in my practice, is that, you know, we're going to be doing a show in the near future on body contouring after people lose their weight, and we see the, the psychological changes in them and the changes in relationships, as you're mentioning, so it is sometimes positive and sometimes negative, but it's great that, uh, you, uh, you mentioned a center of excellence, I, I imagine these requirements include having all these support services for patients so they can prepare for surgery and be supported after surgery in, in the best way. Yeah, they do. Now, let's talk about the surgical process. Someone shows up for the day of surgery. Walk us through what the typical patient's experience would be. Oh, for a lap band? So yeah. assuming that the, assuming just that they're not um, a Medicare patient for a moment because Medicare is just different in that they have to actually spend the night in hospital. Otherwise, okay. most uh, patients having a lap band is done at an outpatient procedure. And so in my practice, that will be done either at a hospital or at an outpatient, an ambulatory surgery center. And they would uh, just have nothing to eat or drink after midnight. They'd come in the morning of surgery. You know, they get an IV put in their arm, and the nurse asks them a few questions. They go into the operating room, and they get totally put to sleep, you know, with a breathing tube down their throat. And, uh, and then we do the surgery, which actually just takes about 25, 30 minutes. They usually have four or five very small incisions on the upper abdomen. We put the band in, and then, of course, the access port is under the skin where they can feel it, and we can access the port after the surgery by putting a special needle and ejecting fluid. So then they wake up. They spend about 45 minutes in recovery room. They, uh, at that point, they're up walking around, drinking some liquids, take a pain pill, and they're out the door, usually in, in and out the door within three or four hours total. And they go that's home That's incredible. I mean, that's really rapid. I mean, that's faster yeah. than we do some of our ambulatory you know, uh, cosmetic procedures. And what is their recovery like? When they leave the operating room, they go home, is, this, is there a lot of pain associated? How long is the usual recovery process? You know, they have, this is really a pretty gentle procedure. They don't have much pain. I mean, we give them a few pain pills to take home. They really just maybe take a handful of pills, and they describe it more um, that it feels like they've done 100 sit-ups. I mean, people are back to work uh, usually in less than a week, and then highly motivated, self-employed people are back to work in a few days. I've actually had a guy have a 
have a band on a lap band on a Wednesday and played and pitched an entire softball tournament that following weekend three days later. <laughs> That's incredible. So, now, the, these procedures have been very expensive in the past where uh, it, it can be cost prohibitive if insurance doesn't cover it. What's the average cost? If someone comes in, they don't have insurance, they want to have it covered. What's the average cost for this procedure in your office? In my office, I would say, you know, up in Oregon, it's a little more expensive than other places. So I'd say it's around sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars up in the Northwest. Um, I think down in the in the southern states, uh, the border on on Mexico, where you can go and get it a little cheaper, it might be around twelve thousand dollars. So kind of in that range of twelve to seventeen thousand. But when you look, I guess you tell patients when or potential patients if they're looking at a price, this packages vary too. So some people try to sort of market it as as the cheapest they can, and it's just a surgery, whereas, whereas most of us try to really, we want the patient to definitely come back and get the adjustments because the band is adjustable, and that is a very key component. They have to come back really and see me 10 times in the first year so that we gradually tighten the band to control their hunger and reduce the amount they eat. So we, are 17,000 includes, in fact, the whole workup, the surgery, 10 follow-up visits with me and several follow-up visits with a dietitian. So we try to make sure that they're going to do it they're really going to get something out of it, and they're getting a full package deal. And I would that's imagine that that's probably consistent across any area. That uh, when you're talking about these centers of excellence, you're probably looking at probably on average about fifteen thousand dollars, with some variance, of course, depending upon where you live in the country. And so that's the lap band surgery. We're going to take a short break now, and uh, Dr. Patterson, please stay with us. We're going to introduce our second guest after we come back from the break. We'll be introducing Dr. Justin Braverman, who's going to speak to us about the gastric sleeve procedure right after these messages here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We've been speaking with Dr. Emma Patterson, who's a board-certified general surgeon and expert in lap band surgery and bariatric surgery in general. We're now going to be speaking about the gastric sleeve. And to speak about the gastric sleeve, I'd like to introduce our second guest, Dr. Justin Braverman. Dr. Braverman is a board-certified general surgeon who practices in California and uh, is an expert in the gastric sleeve, among other bariatric procedures. Dr. Braverman, welcome to the show. Good morning, Dr. Rubinson. I guess it's good afternoon there. <laughs> well, just here on the East Coast. Okay. Uh, but I appreciate you spending your morning with us. We were just talking about the lap band, and you know, there's been great advances in the lap band. The operation moves along so quickly now. It, it's such a, a fast and efficient procedure. Tell me, where is the advantage for someone in, in choosing the sleeve versus the band? How do you make that, that choice? Well, it's somewhat patient preference. All three operations, the band, bypass, and sleeve, have on average different results, and in, in essence, confer weight loss in different mechanisms, um, predominantly through restriction um, by reducing the amount of food a stomach can hold and feeling full with a smaller portion. But the advantage the sleeve has over the band is that, on average, patients lose weight a little faster and, on average, more weight loss than the, than the band without any foreign body or need for adjustments. Uh, with the gastric sleeve, you remove literally about 80% or so of the stomach, and the remaining stomach is sort of stapled off like a narrow banana, it only holds about three ounces of food. Um, so you can't eat very much, you can't eat very fast. But another advantage of the sleeve is that the part of the stomach that's removed produces a hormone called ghrelin, which actually causes appetite. And so, in essence, theoretically, the sleeve may result in a decrease in food cravings and hunger, and that does add to the weight loss. So that's interesting. What is the downside to removing that piece of stomach? It sounds like, you know, 80% of the stomach, you know, as, as a surgeon, as a doctor, I can understand that there are certain amounts of things that are expendable, and you probably won't miss it, and the effect that you're getting is a desired effect. But there must be some downsides to the sleeve. Well, the downside of the sleeve is that it's irreversible. Once that part of the stomach out is out, it's out. You can't put it in the freezer and defrost it two years later if the patient wants it back. I sure well, the band is reversible, kind of, even the bypass <laughs> is a reversible operation. But uh, once, the band, or me, once the sleeve is done, it, it's done. Okay. And have you had, uh, Dr. Patterson, since we have you on the line talking about uh, the lap band versus the sleeve, how often does a patient come in to have the band adjusted in reverse, to have it relaxed? How often do they come in for an adjustment with a band? 
Yeah, well, no, not for an adjustment, but how often would they come back? You know, we're talking yeah, we about the sleeve them. being in the sleeve. Protocol. You know, what we're saying is the sleeve is irreversible. But if you're having the band, the advantage, of course, is that it is very adjustable. But I'm wondering, mm. how often does someone come back to have it relaxed so that they can increase the amount of food they can eat? Oh, relaxed? Um, uncommonly, I mean, that's if we just happen to have got it too tight. So, you know, in the routine, they come 10 times in a year, and that, that does affect some people's choice. Uh, for surgery, so if they live further away, they say they might prefer to have um, a sleeve. But it's—I'm uh, not sure I can quantify how often they come back. But sometimes it gets too tight and they have to come back. But it, I would say that's uncommon. Probably for each patient, maybe once or even less than once that they ever come back to have it untightened. And it's mm-hmm. not usually an emergency situation. And uh, there's another big difference between you know I do band bypass and sleeve. But another difference is. Of course, in the safety profile, we know without a doubt that out of all three procedures, the band, you know, we're doing the least amount of surgery because there's no stapling through the GI tract, and so there's less chance of bleeding or leakage, which is one of our most feared complications as surgeons. So it sounds like for a patient thinking about the options, and if, if we're, taking, we're still leaving gastric bypass out of the equation for now, but we'll bring that in in just a little bit, Looking at sleeve versus lap band, the lap band's good for someone who's local, someone who is willing to come for the adjustments. The sleeve may be preferred for someone who perhaps is flying in for surgery or lives at a great distance where the visits may be too difficult to manage, or someone who just wants to have a one-time deal and, and get it done and over with. Now, now, Dr. Braverman, are the requirements different in your gastric sleeve patients than someone you would consider doing a band on? No, not really. We follow you know, the NIH criteria that strictly goes by body mass index and associated illnesses. And all the criteria for essentially all three operations is the same, you know, BMI above 40 based on weight alone, or BMI between 35 and 40 with a, a, an associated illness like diabetes, high blood pressure, or sleep apnea. Now, there are so some centers that will do bands and even sleeves with patients who have a BMI between 30 and 35, but insurance companies won't cover that procedure, and that's still being investigated by the American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery to see if it's actually safe to do in a, a lower BMI patient. Well, I mean, just as it, you know, I'm, and I'm not advocating this. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in bariatric surgery, but it just stands to reason that something you do on someone with a BMI of 35, it's certainly arguably safer in someone who's got a BMI of 30, just by comorbidity alone, looking at the, the weight and height ratio. So I, I can't imagine that in the long run that'll be shown to be less desirable or less safe. I guess you've got to wait for the numbers to pan out. But when you're preparing a patient, are there differences in consideration of how someone would either prepare for the band, for the uh, sleeve, I'm sorry, or uh, things in, uh, special considerations after surgery? And is there anything different that's significant between the sleeve and the band? Not too much. Uh, in my practice, I think most practices put all patients preoperatively on a, on a diet to, to help them start their weight loss and also reduce the size of the liver, which can become enlarged with obesity and that can make the surgery a little more technically difficult to perform in that setting. So we try to reduce the size of the liver preoperatively. And then after surgery, there's a postoperative diet that patients have to follow for, for about a month where you start off on liquids and then slowly advance to soft foods, and after about a month, you're back on solid foods. And that's, in my practice, the same for band, bypass, or sleeve. And that's for the, that, that's for the safety. You're doing that for the safety of the GI tract so you're not stretching staple lines, allowing it time to heal. Is that the idea? Absolutely. Okay. And so the, the patient experience, we talked about this 25 or 30-minute procedure to put a band in. What is the operative time for a sleeve? 
About the same. Um, you know, sleep can be done pretty fast. Uh, if a patient hasn't had any significant previous abdominal operations, if they don't also have a hernia or a hiatal hernia to, to perform at the same time, uh, a standard sleep can take about a half hour. Well, they're both pretty rapid procedures. And then the recovery time, there, there must be a difference in recovery between a sleeve and a band, just looking at the physiologic changes you're making. Is it a, is it a real material difference? What, what do you see in the patients in the contrast? In truth, I, I don't see much difference at all as far as post-operative pain and recovery. And like Dr. Patterson said, I've had patients who've gone back to work in two days after a sleeve. Um, I, I think both patients, you know, band and sleeve, will experience some dysphagia, you know, a little bit difficulty with swallowing or drinking for the first couple days because... Although the band essentially goes in empty and, and the sleeve's not so tight, there, there's some swelling after each procedure, so liquids tend to proceed through the GI tract a, a little slower. Um, so it does take a little bit getting used to the first couple of days. But as far as postoperative pain, these are not very painful operations. You do not feel the cutting of the intestinal tract. What you feel is the cutting of the skin and the muscle, and since these are laparoscopic procedures with incisions that are all a centimeter or less, it, it's not a very painful recovery or an operation. Dr. Patterson, you, you feel the same way? Is it any different for you? I think, um, for me, the sleeve takes a little bit longer. I mean, maybe it's about 45 minutes in a straightforward patient and maybe even up to an hour in, in a big one. Um, I think the difference is that it's not an outpatient procedure in my practice or most practices. I'm aware of some doing sleeves as an outpatient. But they, uh, we make the sleeve pretty narrow that it's pretty difficult for them to drink and I mean, they have significantly more nausea after surgery, and we, we, we try to, you know, prevent that by giving them a lot more anti-nausea meds before surgery. But some patients can have significant nausea with a sleeve out to a month, or as we don't see that with a band. Um, in my practice, they spend one night in hospital. And there's a little more pain. We have to stretch up one of those incisions to get out that 80% piece of the stomach, which is fairly big. So I find they have a little bit more pain. Um, but it's really tolerated very well, and most of them are back to work within two weeks anyway. So, Dr. Braverman, is this an outpatient procedure mostly in your practice, or do you keep, pay, do you keep people for a day or two? I think patient selection is key, but we do do some patients as an outpatient. Um, I've done about 60, I believe, and I'm... I'm actually publishing an abstract pretty soon in regards to that, and I haven't had any real complications. But, of course, I'm not going to do a patient who has a, a BMI of 60 and you know, sleep apnea and has had previous abdominal surgeries as an outpatient. So patients like sure. but a, a younger, healthier patient with a relatively lower BMI, it can be done in an outpatient setting if you're careful about it. All right, well, it sounds, sounds good. What's the cost? Let's compare the cost. We were talking about a... Average price probably around fifteen thousand dollars for the band, anywhere from twelve to seventeen, as we were talking. What's the cost in your practice for doing a sleeve? Well, Dr. Patterson is kind of right. I'm in Southern California. We're not too far from the border of Mexico, so you know our sleeve price I think is fourteen thousand dollars in our practice, which is pretty similar to the band. But I think the sleeve, on average, is slightly more expensive than the band, partly because technically it's a little more difficult to perform. Um, and the use of the stapling devices and staplers uh, sometimes increases the cost of the operation. So okay. it's about the same price as the band in most places. All right, so we're still we're looking we're kind of in the same ballpark anyway. Yeah. So it really it sounds like just what you said when we first started talking. It really comes down to patient choice, and with good counseling and with uh, the doctor's recommendations, we can decide which procedure between the, the band or the sleeve might be best. Now. We're going to take another short break in, uh, right now, and when we come back, we're going to introduce Dr. Sosa, who is going to speak to us about gastric bypass procedures, and we'll bring it all into the mix and discuss the entire world of bariatric surgery options 
right after these messages here on New Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to New Reflections. We've been talking about bariatric surgery. We were just talking about the lap band and the gastric sleeve and looking at those two options. And now we're going to get to probably the original weight loss procedure. It's come a long way since the first time it's been done. I'd like to introduce Dr. Jorge Sosa, who's a board-certified general surgeon and uh, also certified in critical care. Uh, Dr. Sosa is an expert in gastric bypass surgery and other methods of uh, bariatric surgery. He's done thousands of gastric bypasses. Dr. Sosa, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks to have you on the show. So you've heard the discussion about the sleeve and the band. Where does the bypass fit into all this? Well, I think uh, in our practice, we offer all three, and we have a philosophy of a spectrum. Although there is some overlap, uh, really, we think different patients are ideally suited to different operations. I would completely concur that the lower BMI, especially down in the 30. You want the lower-risk, simple operation like the lap band. We present the sleeve as sort of the middle ground. It gives you a bit better weight loss than the band, but clearly has more complications. And then the gastric bypass is sort of the gold standard when you start getting to BMIs over 40, 45. Uh, the other two operations really don't give you huge amounts of weight loss. And though they improve a lot of medical issues like diabetes, high blood pressure, they don't usually resolve them as well as the gastric bypass. So we preserve the gastric bypass for those folks who are bigger, have to lose more than 100 pounds, and whose obesity is causing a lot of medical issues like diabetes, hypertension. Why? So what, what would you tell someone, let's say you have someone that comes to you and, and they've got a BMI of, say, 45, but they're saying, you know, Doc, 
you know, I've heard so many, because, because you know, frankly, the history of gastric bypass kind of gave it a bad reputation in the early years, so there are some patients that are still feel, fearful of it, and, you know, I've, I've seen you at work, uh, you're, here down, you're down here in Miami, I've operated on a number of your patients after they've lost their weight, and I know how efficiently this operation can be done, especially in your hands. So when you have someone that comes to you and says, you know, doc, I, I, I know I need to lose a lot of weight, but I really don't want to have the bypass, do you still feel okay about doing a sleeve or a band on someone with a high BMI? Well, not, the, 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 the question is what do you call high? Let's use your number. 45 BMI is not really high. Good band results, good sleeve results. If that patient is well-informed, I would certainly say to the patient, okay, choose your operation. But I'll give you an example. You get into a BMI of 60, 65 on a diabetic hypertensive patient. Those folks come to me and say, you know, I'm worried about the gastric bypass. I want a band. And I tell them, look, it is lower risk, but it will not work for you. It will not do what we ultimately are doing this for, which is to improve your health. You have some weight loss, but not sufficient to improve your health and get rid of your comorbidities. Therefore, you really need the gastric bypass. And I try to educate patients. It's not worth going through any risk for an operation that's not going to work well. It's better to take a slightly higher risk for a gastric bypass that is going to resolve. So there's a spectrum where you say to the patient, you choose, they're all pretty good for you. And then there is a spectrum where you say to the patient, you really need to have the better operation. And with the advent of laparoscopy, with the advent of, of new surgical techniques, quite frankly, with the advent of, of modern critical care, the high-risk, high-complication rates of the gastric bypass really have been done away. It is really a quite safe operation with a very low complication rate. But, you know, in comparison, as you said, there is a spectrum, and I think you're getting increased weight loss with potentially increased risk of complication with each step. So I think you guys, you guys have it pretty much, you're doing it right. You're choosing the, the patients, as Dr. Braverman said earlier, it's all about patient selection. So with the heavier patients, the ones that really need significant, really significant weight loss, perhaps the gastric bypass might be the better choice. Now, we were talking about preparing for the sleeve and the band. Do you do anything different for the bypass patients? No, really. I mean, the, the standard preparation is, is pretty standard at all the centers of excellence. You, you need the psychological evaluation, the nutritional teaching, etc. We put our patients on clear liquid diet a couple of days before surgery. We don't really do significant uh, weight loss uh, type of interventions like liquid protein diets, etc. So the preparation in, in my practice for all three patients are essentially uh, the same. Okay, and now the surgical process, you know, we were talking that the, uh, the lap band could be done even as fast as in 25 minutes or so, that the sleeve could be done in a comparable amount of time, maybe 10 or 15 minutes longer. What's your time on gastric bypasses? It's about an hour. It's a, I, I completely concur with the other two guests. The, the band is in the 20, 25-minute range. The sleeve is somewhere about 40, 55 minutes. And the gastric bypass is about an hour, hour and a half. In the much higher patients, we get to about an hour and a half. We're talking somebody who's 450, 500 pounds. takes about an hour and a half to do. So really, just like the complication rate, just like the weight loss, it's sort, it's sort of like a gradation. You're going up a step ladder, simpler, more complex, and then the most complex operation, which is the, the gastric bypass. Sure, and it just stands to reason it's going to take longer. <clears throat> Pardon me. The, the thing to, to think about, I was thinking about this while you were speaking about the spectrum of patients and going up in BMI. It's very important for anyone listening, if you're considering having these procedures done, make sure you're seeing doctors who are associated with a center of excellence 
there's a big difference. You know, if you're weighing 400 plus pounds, you know, your your BMI is you know upwards of 50 and maybe 60. You really need to have someone that has a lot of experience dealing with that kind of patient because it requires special tables, special instruments. You need longer instruments if you're going to do this laparoscopically. You need to have the skill to be able to manipulate those instruments and the experience. So make sure you're seeing someone who is properly qualified and is working through a center of excellence. Now, we were talking about the cost. What's the average cost for someone that comes to you, Dr. Sosa, and says, you know, I don't have any insurance, but I really need to lose this weight. What's it going to cost me to have the gastric bypass? Well, in Miami, it runs some, somewhere around the high teens. In our program, it's 18500 everything included, including a year of follow-up for the gastric bypass. Obviously, the van is significantly less, and the sleeve are significantly less in Miami. Okay, so really, we're we're still in that same range. We started with a range of maybe twelve to seventeen. So now we up it a little bit. Now we're getting the, the bypass uh, in, and probably you know, considering Miami is so competitive, you, I, I would imagine that gastric bypasses might be as high as maybe twenty thousand or more. Dr. Patterson, in Oregon, what is your cost for a, a bypass? Yeah, it's more in the range of <clears throat> in the low 20s, I believe. All right, yeah, so there's regional, the regional differences come into effect. But I think the important thing for anyone listening is you, you see an expert that has experience doing all three that can offer you the right choice for you and help counsel you in what that right choice might be. Ultimately, you're the one making the choice. You're the one having the procedure. Just make sure that you're making an educated choice with expert opinions guiding you along. So we've now talked about the lap band, the sleeve, the bypass. We have a pretty good overview of how all this works. Let's get to some more uh, general discussion about these procedures on whole. Now, when I was preparing for the show, I was looking at the obesity numbers, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, 17% of children in this country are considered obese. That's frightening. It brought to mind, I wonder, is there an indication for pediatric bariatric surgery. What are your thoughts, Dr. Patterson? I mean, I, I, it is really a serious problem, and, and unfortunately I think some, some teenagers are at the point that they do need surgery, and there's evidence that once you're, if you're a morbidly obese teenager, you're most likely going to remain a morbidly obese adult. So I've actually been involved in a, in a study of banding some um, morbidly obese teenagers. I haven't gone below the age of 14. Of course, it would be nice if we could have better preventive measures like better food in schools and physical education and, and infrastructure of our cities and, and communities where people live to try to help them uh, consume less calories and burn more. But once a, once a child or adolescent has become morbidly obese, um, unfortunately, they probably do need surgery. So where do we draw the line? What, what, what age is, is the minimum appropriate, do you think, before you consider doing this? I, I understand there's going to be lots of variation, but there's got to be some general guideline, just in your mind, where yeah. you have a comfort level. I think the general guidelines is, is they should have, you know, they should have achieved their, their full height, you know, because we'd be concerned if, and I only do the safest procedure in the teenagers, which is the band, but particularly if you're going to be doing something that could really affect the nutrition and absorption and bone growth. You want their epiphyses to be closed. And, and basically, if you're, you know, if you're over 250 pounds and you're 14 years old, you have achieved your, your mature height. So, so for me, it's 14. I haven't ever, I'm not going to go below that at this point. Okay, so 14 years old. Dr. Braverman, have you ever done a pediatric patient? 
Yeah, we've done quite a few in our practice, um, and I agree with Dr. Patterson that, you know, not only have they, do they have to reach, you know, physiologic maturity, but somewhat psychologic maturity. They have to understand that, you know, these surgeries are just a tool for weight loss, and if not used appropriately, they're, you know, they're not going to see not just the success they want, but they can be risky. Um, so, you know, the youngest patient we've operated on in our practice was a 14-year-old girl who was you know, 380 pounds and had diabetes and hypertension. We actually did a bypass on her, and she's done wonderfully. But we've done a few bands. I think uh, the company that makes the band is petitioning the FDA right now to see if it will be approved for use in, in adolescence. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure they are. Can you say conflict of interest? <laughs> it's a huge market for them. But, uh, yeah, right, exactly. But, you know, I think, I think there may be a role. Dr. Sosa, what are your thoughts on pediatric patients? Well, we do, and we have a, a special program for adolescents, and, and I concur with, with the other guests. Uh, we go down to around 14 of age. Uh, we obviously look at the same markers of, of maturation, especially bone growth. We look at psychological maturation, but we offer the gastric bypass, but we withhold it until the BMI or the weight is really interfering with the function of the adolescent. So we'll take somebody, for example, and we've had several kids like this who no longer fit in the chairs at school. Therefore, they refuse to go to school, where their social function at school, because of, you know, kids can be quite cruel to each other, has deteriorated to the point that their obesity doesn't allow them to interact with their peers. They're becoming homebound. They're not schooling. Those are the kids that at this point, in our opinion, the risks are very much worth it. We've also had teenagers who are still pretty functional, attending school, getting good grades. And those kids, we tell, listen, let's hold off for another couple of years till you get closer to 18, 19, with the full expectation that, yes, their morbid obesity is not going to go away, but we want them to reach certain landmarks in their, in their lives, including graduating from high school, et cetera. So we offer it, but we're very careful of how we choose our teenagers. And I sound, it sounds like the three of you, and I would guess most centers of excellence, have similar approaches. And I think it is a little bit controversial right now. I've seen a couple papers that are starting to point the way towards there being an indication, a reason to operate on younger patients. But then, you know, I've got listeners out there that are saying, oh, my God. We're talking about doing surgery on a kid. What about just having them lose weight? We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this and other topics related to bariatric surgery and surgical weight loss. When we come back from this break here on New Reflections. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. 
It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're here on New Reflections, and we're speaking with Drs. Patterson, Braverman, and Sosa, who are experts in bariatric surgery. And we were just talking about making the choice in, to operate on children, on uh, anyone under the age of 18. And the guideline we've come up with is really no one feels comfortable any lower than 14 and only in very specially selected circumstances. But as I was saying right before the break, there's probably people listening saying, geez, you're talking about operating on a child to lose weight. You know, what's, what's this country coming to where that's the answer when someone's overweight? But I want to make it clear, we're not really just talking about overweight. Dr. Braveman, what are your thoughts on that? What if someone says, you know, that's crazy, operating on a, uh, someone under the age of 18? What are you thinking? Well, I agree with what they're saying. I could see their reservations, but, you know, an obese child has an 80% chance of becoming an obese adult and developing all the associated illnesses that obesity carries. Um, and a few studies have shown that the earlier you intervene, in obesity, at least surgically, the better chance a patient has of being successful. There's no doubt that a comprehensive multidisciplinary approach is what a patient needs, especially an adolescent. And they have to make sure that these, this, this excess obesity isn't caused by a glandular problem or hormonal issues. It's strictly a you know, social disease. And in the right setting, it, it can be done safely, effectively, and the patients can really benefit. Well, I think, I think that's an important distinction. You're talking about younger patients that go on to continue with their morbidity. These are young patients now, but they're going to be older patients, older people in, in just a few years. And if we don't do something to change their, their body state, they can, they can start developing some significant morbidities and, and even mortality. You know, obesity is related to the top causes of death in the United States. In fact, there's some conjecture that when you factor in all the things obesity may cause, it may be the leading cause of death in the United States. So it's not so far-fetched to look at kids that just can't get their body mass index low enough to be in a healthy state. And I think, you know, with ethical, responsible doctors such as yourselves, I think it's a choice that can be made and can help a lot of kids. And, and maybe in coming years we'll see more of that being offered. Certainly all these kids are being offered uh, a diet and exercise program. They've got to go through the same restrictions that an adult patient would have to go through. And, and my guess is they're probably doing better than most of the adult patients because, you know, they've got a, a bigger latitude. they got more room 
uh, for error. You know, kids just do better, generally speaking. Dr. Patterson, has that been your experience in your trial so far? That the, was the question, have the adolescents lost more weight? Is that your question? No, I mean, I, I would guess that there's probably less uh, morbidity from the surgery, that they do better, oh. there's less complications. And, and I would imagine oh, yeah. just, you know, life impact. is probably a greater life impact because they've got more life years to live. It does, exactly. I mean, it's great to get to these teenagers when they don't yet have diabetes. A few of the ones that I've done, I've done about 20 actually as part of a study, um, a few had insulin resistance, so they were on their way to diabetes and other comorbidities, such as polycystic ovary syndrome for the women, but none of them actually had diabetes. So there was good studies showing up by having these kids lose weight or having someone who's 300 pounds lose weight. We're going to prevent diabetes. And um, it definitely has a huge impact, I mean, on their health and quality of life. And you know what a just important life stage uh, adolescence is in terms of their confidence and, and, and getting a career and a job. There's many studies showing there's a there's terrible amount of discrimination against morbidly obese out there. And it's really not necessarily all their fault. You know, not everybody eats perfectly all the time. But as I said, there's definitely, um, there's definitely genetic uh, factors here. And I guess that to sort of try to answer the, the, one of your listeners who is very concerned about us talking about surgery in adolescents and saying they should just lose weight. Well, the question is how? Unfortunately, there aren't any really other great weight loss programs out there um, that really work when you've gotten to the point of 300 pounds. You know, Jenny Craig or commercial programs or Slim Fast, whatever, uh, your Atkins diet. I mean, doing these things, all of our patients have done all of those things, and unfortunately, they just don't work 99% of the time. So there really aren't many other options. Right, and by the time that someone's looking for a bariatric surgery, they've been there and done that, and they, and they have been to these diet programs and given it a whirl, and, and you see great success. It's not to say that those programs don't work, but I think there's limited benefit, and certainly when you're talking about patients that are 300 pounds, you're looking at BMIs of 40 or greater, it's unlikely at that point that diet alone is going to be the answer. So you know, even with adolescents, they've tried it. They've tried to curb you know, their, their eating, taking care of themselves to some degree, and it, it's just not working. And maybe an earlier intervention is going to give them an even better long-term result. Now, we were talking about the cost. We're averaging somewhere between twelve and maybe $20,000, depending upon the operation you're looking to have and where you live, but even at $12,000, that's a lot of dough. So there are some people that just aren't going to be able to afford having this surgery if their insurance won't cover it. How often does insurance cover it, Dr. Sosa? What's your your percentages? Tell us we're, about insurance coverage. We're right around 50% insurance coverage in Miami. So in, you know, we probably do about 40 gastric bypasses a month, about 20 of those are the folks have to finance it themselves. And it can be a burden. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. One way is, oh, it's like financing a car. It's more important than a car is your health. The other way to look at it is it really is a significant burden that the insurance companies, our regulatory system is putting on patients' shoulders. But all, when it's all said and done, they're the folks that are faced with this major health problem and if the insurance refuses to cover it, most of them do have to come up with ways to finance it, and many, many do. And certainly there's lots of finance programs. Dr. Patterson, in your practice, is that percentage about right? What's your insurance coverage? Well, you know, it's in Oregon, I think it's, it's under 50% of 
as people have a bariatric benefit, but uh, in my practice, is skewed to those who do. So about 80% of my patients have commercial insurance, about 10% Medicare, and about 10% are paying themselves. And, and it's still surprising to me that more employers don't advocate for this for their employees or the insurance companies because there is now a ton of data showing how cost-effective bariatric surgery is. I mean, you get your return on investment in two years from all the savings and all the other health issues that these patients have, even other surgeries they would need, pills they would need, tests they would need, hospital admissions they would need. There are just many, many studies showing that now. So I think we're going to see... I'm always a bit of an optimist. I think we're going to see a better trend towards insurance coverage for it. Well, we sure hope so. Uh, now, we were talking about the you know, people paying out of pocket, and Dr. Sosa mentioned you know, finding a way to pay. As a, as a plastic surgeon, we have a good number of patients that do finance procedures, and you know, this is, these are things that are going to affect you the rest of your life. When you're talking about buying a car, financing a car, well, yeah, you finance a car, and people don't really think twice about going out and getting a loan to have a car, and then they'll use the car for you know, five years or so, and then they're going to look to get another car, and that loan's been paid off. Well, the things we're talking about today are not short-term, five-year solutions. This is the rest of your life. So it's certainly an investment in you, and it's worth it. There are finance programs. For those of you who don't have insurance coverage that's going to help pay for this, there are ways to get this covered. Now, there's one thing I want to get to. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, Dr. Braverman, you were talking about being close to Mexico. And I know here in Miami, Dr. Sosa, you probably have patients that will head off to either Mexico or other places in Central America or South America to have a gastric bypass or a BAM performed at a greatly reduced rate. Dr. Braverman, what's your thoughts on that? I absolutely think there's competent surgeons on the other side of the border. I think the real issue is with follow-up. These procedures are... It's paramount to a patient's success to continue to follow up with your surgeon and the team that you had your surgery with. So you can continue to have the coaching, to watch for vitamin or nutritional deficiencies, to stay interactive with support groups and lifestyle modification classes. If you think the surgery is going to do the weight loss for you on its own, it's not how it works. So my concern about patients who go across the border to save money is, you know, what happens if there is a complication and what happens long term? Who do you follow up with? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing we have with plastic surgery. Now, revisions, I'm sure we see a few revisions. And like you said, there's competent surgeons all over the world, really. You, you, but if you have complications, if you have issues, you're going to be better served to be close to home, close to the surgeon, and hopefully the center of excellence where you had your procedure done. We had a great discussion today talking about bariatric surgery. I want to thank my, my guests, Dr. Emma Patterson, practicing in Oregon, uh, Dr. Justin Braverman, practicing in California, and Dr. Uh, Jorge Sosa, practicing here in Miami. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a, a very enlightening show, and I hope it helps motivate people to seek out the right procedure. If you're thinking about having some surgical weight loss uh, aid, these, this is the information you need to have. Our next episode is going to shift gears a little bit. We're talking about having surgery for weight loss today. Well, next episode is Drop the Knife. It's all about medical weight loss. When we're back here for our next episode, join us on New Reflections. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www 
www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you.